Welcome to Manly Movies, where guys get together to shoot the breeze and talk about our favorite movies and the lessons they teach us about being a man. Just a quick intro, as always, I'm JB. I'm a husband, a father of two, a son, and a brother. I'm not an expert on any of those things, but I do the best that I can. And I have a passion for film and a passion for discipleship. So why not mix the two? Movies can teach us a lot about life. And that's what I want to dive into. So let's get started. Joining me today is my friend. Josh Lindsay. Josh, what is going on, buddy? How's it going, man? Oh, it's going. Yeah, it, it continues like, like to seen, go. Huh? It continues to go, whether we want it to or not, right? <laughs> It'll go without <laughs> <Exactly>. us. <laughs> yes. So, Josh is joining us. Actually, this is the first person on this show that I actually know in real life. Josh <laughs> and I go to church together, and he hit me up recently about this movie that we should t- that he wanted to talk about, and we'll get to that in a minute. But before we do, if you would just kind of let us know what you've been watching recently that you might want to recommend to anybody. Yeah, so I'm a nerd through and through, as you'll see by the content of this episode. I love anime. So lately I have been watching an anime called Steins Gate. Maybe I believe I have made that rep to you. I think I saw it on your letterboxd on your want to watch list and i've been watching it through in order to watch the it's not really a sequel series it's kind of a midquel so it takes place in the middle of the original series and then of course since my wife doesn't watch anime i've been watching uh re-watching stranger things with her so we can get through to the most recent season of that I just made it to season three tonight actually very nice oh man uh, my wife and I, I see. I've never been really into anime. I, I, I try. I try to watch more, but stuff like what we're going to talk about tonight it is stuff that I'm really interested in. Like I like, I like sci-fi and I like war. And this is this is a very much a war movie. <laughs> very, very much a war movie. Yeah. So, but uh, here recently, I my wife and I actually just finished going through the Kingsman uh, okay. trilogy, mm-hmm. and. And that, that, those movies kind of, they start out really, really good and then they kind of get worse with every, with every mm-hmm. one. So yeah. I'm hoping when they, I've heard that they're supposed to be coming out with a, a fourth one and they're going to get back to the main storyline. And so hopefully it'll get better than this. But also I've been hammering, I've gone, I've been going through a lot of John Ford movies from the thirties. Okay. I watched one today called a uh, steamboat round the bend and it's like it's a comedy, but it's he. It's, it's guy takes a steamboat and he's like this elixir salesman from like back in when they used to sell that, that stuff. Right. Like I saw it on Andy Steak Griffith oil. and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. But like he really believed in the stuff. Like he's a legit doctor, and everybody knew him, and he was selling it. But basically, what it was it was liquor and it has all kind of other herbs in it and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's about him and his nephew and the girl that he's dating and he ends up going to jail because he kills somebody, but it was like in self-defense. And so it's like him taking this steamboat across the river to find this preacher that saw that it was in self-defense so he could get his, his nephew from being mm-hmm. hanged. So it's really interesting, and it, but it's, it's really funny. There's a lot of biblical references in it, uh-huh. but there's like steamboat races, a forbidden romance. I mean, and there's this, like, it takes place in reconstruction area too. Uh, Reconstruction era. So it's like they're in the South and you can kind of sense a little bit of anti-Confederacy satire. Mm. And it's, it's, 
it's just it's it's cool. I, I I really really enjoyed it. But the best movie I've watched recently, hands down, was The Right Stuff. Have you seen that? Don't believe I have. When did it come out? Oh man, nineteen eighty three. Okay, no. <laughs> okay, and it's about the the very first original Mercury astronauts with okay. uh, John Glenn, uh, Alan Shepard, like the, the original guys that right, they. Right when they started the space program and just how it was all came, how it all came together. And like, it is three hours worth of America. It's it's awesome, dude. Dude, Three hours is a lot of movie anyway. (laughs) It's it's a lot of movie, but if you're in, if you're into the space stuff, I I know you sounds right up my alley. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely check it out. If you like, I didn't realize there were pilots originally like, they, they flew mm-hmm. planes, and that's right. I haven't really done a whole lot of research on that stuff, but it was very, very interesting to watch. But man, it was just so many feel good moments in it. I mm-hmm. uh, loved it. Uh, I'll have to put that one on my list. Highly recommend. I'll probably own it at some point because yeah, it's so same. Good. All right. Well, let's move on to the movie that we're talking about today. It's called Grave of Fireflies. It's from 1988, mm-hmm. and it is a World War II movie. Josh, real quick, why don't you just kind of go over how you discovered it and you know, your initial thoughts and, and why you chose this movie. All right. So originally, I grew up watching anime without knowing that I was watching anime. So there was this movie that I grew up and we basically had a loan on the VHS from the library. Uh, and the movie was My Neighbor Totoro. So we just kept that movie at the house from the library. Uh, loved it a lot. And then probably about four or five years ago, I found the Blu-ray of My Neighbor Totoro. And that got me really interested in Studio Ghibli, which is the studio that does My Neighbor Totoro. And they also did Good with the Fireflies. So I would look up, you know, people's listings of the best Studio Ghibli movies and Grave of the Fireflies was always, always in the top five with a little asterisk saying, bring your Kleenex with you because it is just a gut-wrencher. And so I bought it probably two years ago and never really got the guts to watch it until fairly recently. (laughs) And uh, it holds true to the the stories I've heard. So that's, that's how I found it. That's good, man. I've got several movies that I've that I bought years and years ago that I still haven't watched, uh, and some of them is because of that reason because I really just don't want to be in a bad mood. <laughs> so, right? Yes, it it affects your whole mood for the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> I guess I discovered it because you're the one who told me about it. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I think and, I, I've convinced you to watch a few of the Ghibli movies, and this one's just one of those that has such an effect that it's hard not to share it. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I watched it and, you know, the first time I was really mad the whole time at everything that was going on. And then the second time I was able to just kind of sit back and see everything. I, so I watched them, watched it twice within three weeks of each other. Right. And the second time I knew what was going to happen and I was able to understand it a little bit more and mm-hmm. not be so frustrated and angry. <laughs> But, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was. It's definitely gut wrenching. Yes, that is. That's very true. Something I've noticed, or well, I mean, I, I guess we can kind of dive into it. But like one of the biggest things that I got from the movie, 
Hold on a second. Right, I'm going to do the obligatory oh, spoiler yeah, yeah, warning. Yeah. We're, okay. we're about yeah. to spoil the heck out of this. So if you haven't seen this movie, you need to go watch it and then come back. <laughs> anyway, yeah, go ahead. All right, yeah. One of the biggest things that I took from this movie is that, you know, growing up, especially in Southern America, there's a lot of patriotism around here. And it slowly seems to be declining. But especially revolving around World War II, you know, we won that war. Huzzah. Um, but then you flip the camera angle and you see atrocities that were committed on, you know, by the Americans, and you realize, you know, maybe, maybe the ends don't justify the means. You know, opening scene starts with the incendiary bombs pretty much falling on just little towns, pretty much, and you know those people are just trying to live their lives, right? They're just normal people like me and you. They don't necessarily have, they don't have this quote-unquote loyalty to the empire that Japan was trying to be at the time. They just happen to be misfortunate enough to be born in Japan while the American, you know, or be living in Japan while America was attacking. I'm not trying to be anti-patriot, but like, (laughs) this is, this is facts, man. There yeah. were some atrocities on both sides. War is a devil. It makes man do some very crazy things. Well, I mean, yeah, and that's our downfall is, you know, man, <laughs> we have a sin problem, and that's what right. causes war. Okay, so yeah. I mean, we, we have we have our we have our issues, we have our demons, and that's how wars break out, mm-hmm. and and then our own demons make the wars worse. So yeah, like it's makes it like you said, it makes people do crazy things. And that was the thing that stuck out to me at first. The first time I watched it was there is a lot. I watched a movie on it was from the 1940s, I believe, called Mrs. Miniver, and it was during World War Two in England, mm-hmm. and they were in fear of their lives because there was people bombing. So I saw it from, from basically our perspective, our right, right. wasp perspective mm-hmm. <laughs> from our, from our side. It wasn't in America, but it was in England. But so I could see the fear that they were living in and what was going on. And then I watched this and these people were living in fear too. So it's like, <laughs> you can't blame anybody. I mean, you blame everybody. I mean, it's just, right. we all, we all have issues. We all have right. our, our inner demons that causes stuff like this. And it's just really, really sad that it has to come to innocent people getting killed. Mm-hmm. People who are yeah. just trying to live their life. Yeah. Um, it is a necessary evil. Uh, well, I, mean, I don't think it's even necessary, but it is an evil. <laughs> Right. Um, to, to end wars, I guess it's necessary, but jeez. Yeah. The, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I still stand by the end does not justify the means. Yeah. It's, Agreed. it's, it's yeah. So, um, I mean, I couldn't do it. No, I not can't. at all. I mean, yeah, I could, I could, so I could blow a soldier's head off for my country, but I couldn't drop well, a if bomb on back at you. Right. Yeah. That's but, what I'm yeah, saying. If he's yeah, shooting back yeah. at me, but I'm, I, can't, I, I couldn't drop a bomb on. Millions no, of innocent people, but no, not at all. Crazy. And uh, it was the whole thing was just like tactics too, because the Japanese uh, 
their homes in, in towns were built 80% out of wood. And so incendiary bombs are ridiculously simple. Right. And so this was completely planned out. They knew exactly what they were doing, executed one of the worst atrocities, in my opinion, against the Japanese, uh, the people, not necessarily the army, but the people. So that, that was just one of the first things that really got to me and, and opened my eyes. And that's what this movie really does at the beginning, is it just completely rips the blind American's eyes open <laughs> to what? To another perspective. So, yeah, that's that's how it starts. <laughs> yeah, I think part of my anger wasn't necessarily... Yeah, a lot of it was on the, the bombing, the innocent people dying, but also, man, their aunt was such a... <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. Like, so, well, come on. Like, yeah. She, uh, I don't know. Everything was just bad. And even if it wasn't, she wanted it to be. Like, yes. so, uh, Seda sits down with Setsuko probably a third of the way through the movie at a piano and just plays a simple song and, you know, trying to get some sort of enjoyment out of what a fearful life. And the aunt walks by and says, don't you know there's a war going on? Stop. <laughs> and I'm like, let these kids be kids. Oh, wow. um, and I don't know how old uh, Seda was. Uh, I imagine he was about... I think he was 14. 14? Yeah, early teens. Okay. And then uh, Setsuko had to be four or five. No older than that. Uh, yeah. I would imagine right around there. So they're kids. Yeah. You know, and I, I guess around the 1940s, maybe a 14-year-old was really becoming more of a man than our 14-year-olds are becoming <laughs> today. For real. But he's still a kid uh, yeah. in that situation. Yeah, there, the aunt was just, she wasn't a family member, really. You know, while she was blood, while she was, I believe it was her dad's sister. Or their dad's sister, um, yeah. she didn't treat them like family at all. And you know, that, there's a perspective there. So Yeah, like, I mean, I, I just, if, if you had, I feel like if it's your brother's kids, you've got to step up and be the parent and, and overcome your, the thing is, she was driven by fear. Right. I mean, I mean everybody was, but, and, like you said, war makes people do crazy things. And, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it was her fear that was driving her and how she treated them. But man, we got to overcome that when we're trying to raise kids. Like, right. <laughs> we got to get over that. <laughs> yeah. But in her defense, Setsuko was really, really annoying in the first third of this movie. And I can say that as a parent. How she didn't want to eat. Well, not. Not just that, it was, there was one night where they were staying with their aunt and Setsuko, she's a four or five year old, so obviously she's going to be missing her parents. And so she's really just crying out for her mom. And the aunt comes in and says, basically like, hey, make the kids shut up. People are trying to sleep. No sympathy whatsoever. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Setsuko was annoying. And then when I watched it through in Japanese, like imagine the 
a whiny American voice times 10. Um, <laughs> whoever voiced the Japanese version for Setsuko just really dialed it up. And it was very immersive, you know, because when you watch it in Japanese, you actually, to me, it was more so immersive than watching it in English. But uh, everything, it really just came alive. Like the kids felt like, they felt even more like kids. The adults felt more like adults. It was, it was really, I, I encourage you to watch it. So in, in Japanese, if you have another watch in you, it may take a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, in 10 years when I want to have a good cry. Right. Uh, no, I'll, I'll probably, I will watch it again within you know, a year or so. Yeah. But you know, you're right. Like, in a lot of ways, the adults were acting like kids and the kids were acting like adults. Yep. And that's <laughs> something yeah. wrong there, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. To build off of that, the person, in my opinion, who seemed to be the most responsible was Satan, the 14-year-old brother to the 4-year-old sister. Everything he did. Now, sometimes maybe... His decisions were a little misguided, but he did everything with the intention of helping his sister. And that, to me, we're talking manly movies, that to me is the epitome of what a man should be for his family. Everything should be for the family's benefit. Not to say you're not going to make mistakes. Satan made mistakes. Yeah. But his efforts or his, his desires were. And and that was that's a recurring theme through the whole thing is really he he does nothing for for himself through this whole movie everything even whenever the, before they sit down at the piano he asks Setsuko if she wants to play a song and she says yes so they do so everything was done with his sister in mind uh, and that's what it that's a big part of what it is to be a male leader in a family is to just focus on the on those that you are trying to provide for and take care of. Yeah, and I can the first time I watched it, I was nitpicking about well, I mean, he obviously scrounged up enough food for him to survive and he he wouldn't make his sister eat, you know, when she would refuse to eat something, like, well I mean, you need to make the girl eat. You know what I mean? Like I was nitpicking about things like that. Right. But then I, I realized going back through it, he's 14 years old. He's a kid. You know, like right. I, I can't hold him to adult standards. <laughs> like, and well, we both have kids. There's just days yeah. that the kids ain't going to eat. And, you know, a kid doesn't understand necessarily, especially in Setsuko's position, that they may not eat tomorrow. She's She just didn't want what they were having today. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that it's so, it was just so real to me as a parent. Yeah. Uh, just watching this movie, uh, the perspectives. And I'll tell you what really hit me though, as far as from, from Seda's perspective, from Seda's perspective, what really hit me was when he took her to see the doctor and the doctor says that there's nothing wrong with her. She just needs food. That's right, she just needs a, a good meal. She yeah. just needs a good meal. She's like, just needs a good meal. Right. And he just loses it. Yeah. Where am I supposed to get food? You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, man. Yeah. 
as if he wasn't <laughs> trying, right? Right. And yeah. and you know that's that came from a place of desperation. And yeah. I think a lot of times we can get desperate, and we don't have that problem. We don't have a food shortage or anything like that. We're not cut down to rations yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's not go into that. But, uh, you know, we all do things out of desperation and out of love that you know, maybe we wouldn't do, like blow up an honor adult, a clear superior who probably does have more knowledge than we do or to, to kind of build on the manly part of it. Another, probably the most manly moment in this whole movie to me was uh, I'll just build the scene. Um, Setsuko, or not Setsuko, Seda is caught stealing sugarcane from the farmer. So the farmer catches him and really just starts to lay into it. And he says, My sister is hungry. She just wanted some sugar, uh, some sugarcane. She wanted something sweet. And the farmer just wasn't having it. So the farmer ends up basically beating him within an inch of his life and then takes him to the police. And the manly moment is when the police officer says, okay, to the, to the farmer, he says, okay, I've got your testimony, you can leave. And the farmer says, what, like, aren't you going to do anything? The man says, well, it looks like you've beaten him enough. In fact, this is violence against a minor. So this police officer who really could have just laid it on Seda, you know, Seda was caught stealing. And mm-hmm. especially in wartime, yeah. that's a federal crime. So, <laughs> but instead, the police officer chooses sympathy mm-hmm. and basically lets Seda go and, and really threatens the farmer for beating up on a 14 year old kid. Yeah. Uh, to me, exactly. that, that moment was very manly. Um, it, it takes a lot of, a lot of character to make a decision like Especially when it wouldn't be the popular decision. Yeah, he, he said, I could write this up on assault charges. Right. And the guy yeah. in the farm was like, oh, oh, okay, I'll go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he got the picture very quickly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love that, man. That was, that, was, that was a cool moment. It was like a little moment of hope within just an hour and a half of despair, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There, there were a few few glimmers of hope. Uh, right. One thing, yeah. one thing that I really liked about uh, Setsuko, this is in, in the beginning, when he climbs up on the the gymnastic high bar yeah. and starts yeah. doing all those uh, tricks and stuff, because he's trying to cheer uh, Setsuko up. I said, right. I said Setsuko. Yeah. I mean, it's Seda. It's try- Seda is trying to cheer Setsuko up, but right. she never looks at him at all. Like, just she's got her head down. But man, he doesn't care. He just keeps on doing it. He's trying to be happy, trying to be positive, and, and just trying to give some kind of glimpse of having a good time <laughs> because they pretty much have been left to be adults from here on out. Right. And so he's, he's trying to have fun, trying to still be a kid and wants, wants his sister to, to cheer up and, and be a kid with him. And man, I can, I definitely, I can feel that. Uh, I just, mm-hmm. Trying, uh, I, me, I'm, I'm very much, I like to make light <laughs> out of the right, situation right. as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, I just, I don't like people being depressed. So I just 
kind of how I'm wired. Um, right. So, so I got that and him wanting to do that. For me, the one, the manly moment for me, and, and it's not necessarily, it's kind of, it's kind of like yours. I mean, you, you looked at the cop. I'm looking at the farmer, not the one that beat up on the kid, the other farmer. Right, right. That, I was wondering he, if that was the same guy and that he no. had maybe a switch, but I, did, I decided it was, that it, it wasn't, yeah. Yeah, it was a different farmer. And he basically just met uh, Seda. Mm-hmm. But he knew that his aunt lived, uh, he knew his aunt, like he, he referred to her as the woman who lives in the village. So he knew her, just didn't really know much about her, didn't know much right. about him, but he knew what was going on. And he tells mm-hmm. Seda that he needs to swallow his pride and go mm-hmm. and apologize to his aunt mm-hmm. because he needs to be taken care of and his sister needs to be taken care of. Right. And you know, the woman may be mean and unsympathetic and just <laughs> a bitter, bitter woman. <laughs> Right. But she may be the only way for that for him to take care of his sister, mm-hmm. and that is his primary responsibility. Right. So yeah. you know, the farmer says, "Yeah," and the farmer says, "You're the son of a navy man, right? So you need to try and be brave." Mm-hmm. And this is unsolicited advice from somebody he doesn't really even know, but the man is stepping up and being a father figure for this kid who right. he doesn't even know. Yeah, that was so cool, man. I just and I, I didn't think about that the first time I watched it. The second time I watched it, I was like, man, that's a dude right there. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. stepping up, definitely. And and that's I, I was wanting to talk about the uh, Seda's decision to leave the aunt. The aunt actually suggested it. She said, "Let's see, what did she say? I can't remember the exact words, but." Uh, or no, what she suggested is that he goes and finds his mom's family in Kyoto, I believe it was. And the very next scene is him. He's in a crowd of people. I'm not exactly sure where he is, but he says, I don't know where they are. And I think that's the point where he decides to leave is just because, you know, sure, she can guarantee their physical well, well-being, but emotional well-being is just as important and she was not providing that um and i think Sada's biggest mistake was focusing more on the emotional well-being because we see it from the very beginning he's trying to a he keeps the mother's death away from sesco he tries to cheer her up on the gymnastics bar they catch lightning bugs you know all this stuff that they do he's trying to take care of her emotional well-being right and well, in the end, that it's a balance. You know, he yeah. focuses so much on that that he loses sight of what's going to keep her alive, uh, which mm. is nourishment. So, uh, to me, that was his biggest mistake. But it felt justified at the time. You're like, this yeah. woman's a jerk. Why <laughs> yeah. are you still here? Uh-huh. He he really should have should have taken the farmer's advice. Should have gone back because the work. Oh my goodness! Oh, the end. Um, mm-hmm. The war ends before Setsuko, or before. Can I just jump to the end? I guess mm-hmm. um, the war ends before Setsuko dies. Shortly before, 
Yeah. Because he's at the bank, I believe, picking up. Is he at the bank picking up money? He's he's off doing some kind of errand. He's he's getting the rest of the money out of the account because right. he's going to buy food for her. So. Mm-hmm. And he overhears two, I guess, just civilians talking about the war being over. And he's like, "Wait, it's over," you know, because they've been living in a cave, literally under a rock. <laughs> uh-huh. um, <laughs> so he didn't know. But as soon as he gets back from that, his sister. I, I think what did her in was the fact that she had consumed marbles and dirt. Uh, yeah. You know, she was on a steady decline before that, but the marbles and dirt are essentially what did it. But, uh, oh man, where was I going with that? <laughs> <laughs> she uh, died right after the, the war. Right. Ended. Oh, okay. So yeah. the end. And then shortly after that, you know, it goes through the whole montage where he goes and he gets the coal, he gets the casket. And then you see some well-to-do Japanese women returning to their home and they're like, oh, it's so good to be home. We can listen to the phonograph again. And the camera pans from that house just across a little waterway and you see the shelter that they were staying at. Mm. And it's just, ah, that got, I was like, perspectives, man. Like, the war wasn't that bad for this group of people who just went away for a time. They turned home, and to them, everything was normal. But the world really fell apart for these two kids who were within eyesight of the house that the, the, I guess they were, they seemed like aristocrats to me, just rich people, right? Yeah. That was like, you know, as if Sesco dying the way she died, the slow death that she died wasn't hard enough. That was like just the punch when I was down. That's like, yeah. This is so screwed up. <laughs> yes. It really just depends. Well, I mean, well, let's face it. They just weren't fortunate enough to be born into it. Mm-hmm. Chances are those rich aristocrats, they kind of sounded spoiled, you know. Yeah. Like the phone, not being able to listen to the phonograph was the worst thing in the world for them, right? <laughs> They probably didn't do anything to get where they were. It was probably their parents' money or, or the, their parents' circumstances that allowed them to be safe from the situation that was going on. Yet, Sesco and Seda had a father who was in the Navy. Well, you know, here again, the Navy sunk every ship, according to the guy at the bank. Every ship was at the bottom of those. Uh, so, Seda gets that news, or Sesco, yeah, Seda gets that news. And then he goes home and his sister dies that night. Mm. Uh, gut wrenching. <laughs> yes. So. And you know, like what you were saying about just everything being so screwed up at that time. And during that time, and I, and I say all the time that the more I watch of movies from the 1940s, the more I think that's like the best decade of movies. But the more I study the war, <laughs> the more, the more that there's some truth into that because I feel like people were trying to distract themselves from what right. was going on. Yep. And they made better movies because of it. <laughs> like, Didn't they know there was a war going on? Yeah. <laughs> you you get you know, my reference, yeah, right? Yeah, Why yeah, are you yeah, making movies there's a war? Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. So, that was, like, that's, so yeah, that's completely ridiculous. Yeah. And like, so, but there's a lot of, of, Huge movies that came out. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got Casablanca, you've got It's a Wonderful Life, 
Gone with the Wind, like the like so many huge big name movies came out right on, right around World War Two. So people were just living in fear, and, and the whole world was just screwed up. And a lot of people were trying to, like I said, distract themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I totally, totally get that. We've had some crazy stuff that, that's gone on. No, nowhere near like what they were going through, but. I understand the the need to want to just get away from it all. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's all Sato wanted. You know, mm-hmm. he wanted to distract his sister. So well, they another example, they go to the beach. And this was the point where you start to feel like something is wrong with Setsuko because she takes her shirt off and you see the sores on her back. And I'm not exactly sure... I think he called it a heat rash at one point when they were in the shelter, but I'm not so sure exactly what that was, but it was clearly part of the disease that ended up doing her in along with malnourishment, all of that. But at one point, you know, they're walking along the beach. I think maybe she's chasing something and she comes across a guy under a blanket and she says, look, someone's sleeping. And, Seda walks up and he notices the flies buzzing around the feet of the quote-unquote sleeping person. Realizes that's not a sleeping person, that person's dead. And he simply tells Setsuko, don't look at her. So he's the entire time, and, and you know, going back to him feeling responsible for her well-being, he is constantly trying to hide the war, hide the negativity from his sister, how can you? Her, her yeah. whole city. I think she even asked at one point, is our house gone? And he says, it looks like it. Probably. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. Uh, just the, what about, like, you're talking about how all you ever wanted to do is take care of her. One, one scene that really spoke to me on that was whenever they got into it with their aunt and they were having to eat, like, what, rice porridge or something. Mm-hmm. and all the, the people that were that were going out and working or that were soldiers, you know, they were getting like legit rice balls, right? Like they were, they were getting right. to eat real yep. food. Onigiri so, is what it's called. Okay. Because so, yeah, I'm a nerd. So, <laughs> so anyway, but so what does Seda do? He's like, I'm going to go get some money out of my mom's bank account and I'm going to buy right. a stove and I'm going to start cooking for us. Man, handle it, bruh. <laughs> Well, do the ant, and this is a difference between Japanese and English versions. Sometimes there's a lot lost in translation. So, because you have to match the movements of the mouth whenever you're mm-hmm. translating to English, and it doesn't always line up well with exactly what they said. But in the Japanese version, the ant basically says, you're not doing your part after, after he made or after she made him sell his mom's kimono, <laughs> right, for rice, and then she takes half of that. Mm-hmm. She says, he's still not doing his part. Why don't you cook, you know, we'll eat separately, which basically means you're going to cook your own food now. And that's when he goes, gets the money, buys the oven, and starts cooking for himself. And she still wasn't satisfied with that. Mm-hmm. In fact, she was mad. She got mad about that. Yeah. So, uh, that lady, I'd, I'd like to punch her in the face. 
<laughs> yeah. Evil woman, man. Yes, yes. You could say she was responsible for their death. Mm-hmm. And there are times, uh, I, I, different moments of the movie, I, I, I felt a lot of people were responsible. Like the dad, you know, was like, has he not heard that his, that his wife died? Why hasn't he come back to take care of the kids? You know what I mean? Like I, I, right. I got mad, I got mad at that. Well, like, you know what? He's probably dead too. <laughs> like it's just, yeah. At the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. The exactly. Yeah. So, man, I just, <sighs> so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I wrote it in my letterbox review. I don't understand what compels a person to tell this story. Because, <laughs> you know, well, I mean, I guess, I guess I do, but it's not the feel good story that people want to watch. This is one of those stories that you watch once, maybe twice, and it has such a significant impact that you may never watch it again. Uh, mm-hmm. But, Really, when I finished it for the second time, the feeling that I left with was I just want to go home and I want to hug my kids. And I guess at that point, the movie's done its job. Mm-hmm. So, and I, yeah, I started thinking about like how the the aunt just was constantly complaining, even when she did, even when she got her way, she was still complaining about it. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I thought about was. I have a fairly comfortable life. Like, you know, I don't, I'm not wondering where my next meal is going to be. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, middle class, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. but we still find reasons to complain. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I don't have AC in my car and like there's people who don't have AC in their house. Yeah. There's people who don't have houses. But I complain, yeah, I complain about a 30 minute commute because I don't have AC, right? Uh, (laughs) First one, man. The things that we complain about. And I'm not going to say any names, but several years ago when the tornadoes hit in Alabama and 2011 and Mm -hmm. the power was out in Decatur. A lot, of, a lot of the parts yeah. of the game with powers yeah. after like five or six days, mm-hmm. and I remember I was talking to somebody, and they were like, "You know what I've been missing ever since the power was out? I'm like what? Like, I miss my insta insta hot water because because I had like the, the insta hot where you just turn the hot water on, it's automatically hot. okay. It but, doesn't have to like cycle through all the cold water." Yeah. I understand. But, but when there's no electricity, they didn't have it. And I was like, oh, okay. Man. There were That's another there. level of luxury. I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> yeah. I was like, there are people that lost their house. There are people that lost their family. There are people that lost their life. You're complaining about your dang hot water show. The <laughs> worst thing that happened to me is I had to cook a hot dog over a candle. <laughs> hey, I had a gas grill, man. Yeah. Like, in fact, I, I'm going to be honest, I enjoyed the disconnection. Yeah. When the tornado, like, the power's out, I can't watch TV. Great. Gives me a good reason to read a book. I don't say this often, but one of my favorite memories of me and my wife were sitting in our walk-in closet eating peanut butter and crackers, mm-hmm. a flashlight, and a crank radio. That was just, yes. what, just yeah. one of the greatest, greatest memories I have. 
I just I loved it. Oh yeah. Oh man, good times. You know those <laughs> tornadoes, great times. <laughs> but no, I mean I, I do. I, I appreciate the the togetherness and right, to right. depend on yeah. each other, uh, not so much on the luxury that we have. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that's this goes with the point that we will always always find something to complain about, no mm-hmm. matter how much we have. And it's just it's just our selfishness yeah. <laughs> in, inside of us that we we all have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so I watch movies like this, and it just really makes me want to crawl into a hole somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> Phil. So there's this thing called survivor's guilt. Yeah, you know, and and the survivor of said of you know whatever event feels guilty just for having survived when someone else didn't, and I think it kind of plays into this. You know, we have, I guess it would be more like first world guilt, where the only reason we're in our situation is because we were born into it, most likely. I mean, middle class Americans. So we've done nothing to to earn what we have, pretty much up until this, up until recent adulthood. But this movie will really just make you feel guilty for having a hot dinner. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't made of mashed up rice leftovers from the steamed rice the night before. Or being able to pick up the phone and call your mom or dad. Right. <laughs> yeah. Man. But just there was simple. Yeah. There was one part and this sticks with me and I only noticed it on my second watch through, so I am not sure if it's in the English version or not. But there was one part they were living with the aunt. And the ant was literally scraping the stuff that was stuck to the pot off the pot and eating it. And I was like, that's leftovers. You know, they've just had a full meal. Yeah. But Seda walks by and says, man, that looks good. I've never looked at the burnt stuff stuck to the pot and thought, that looks delicious. Yeah, like I've never been in a position where that would be better than what I had every day. So, yeah, the the well-to-do guilt is real. Yep, we should all just be thankful for what we do have and not take it for granted because it may come very soon. Oh yeah, things can change in the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. It's a scary thought. Yes. Very much. So definitely. Kiss your kids. <laughs> yes. yes. Call your call your parents. My oldest is spending the night with some friends and I still made the effort to go see her today just because of the way this movie made me feel. I was like, mm. I'm I'm not not gonna miss out on a few minutes with her. Mm-hmm. Just because she's spending the night like I yeah. This uh, movie will change the way you see your kids and the way Really, you know, we can learn from his mistakes too. It'll change the way. I guess I tend to be more like say, you know, when I'm hanging out with my oldest, I like for her to have a good time. So if she's not hungry, I may or may not make her eat. Yeah. Uh, now I'm definitely gonna cook something and put it in front of her. I'm gonna provide that opportunity. But if she's not hungry, I usually don't fight that battle. So yeah, I. I definitely watch it as that kind of dad 
we're not in that dire of a position, but who's to say tomorrow, next week, with shortages and inflation and whatnot, that we won't be, right? Yeah. To a point where all this, you know, she didn't need the last meal because she just wasn't hungry. Now she can't eat, and she is hungry. Mm-hmm. If only I had made her eat. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Seder thought that at least one time. If only I had made her eat. Yeah. Well, back when we when we had food, if I just made her eat every everything, maybe she would have lasted longer or something. But, right. Uh, right. Or could have made it. I mean, the the war ended. The irony there is so thick. The thing that put them in this position ended before their demise. Mm-hmm. But they were already so far down that hill that there was no going back. Um, mm-hmm. I think what did Seda in because he was definitely able to take care of himself. He had no will to live. Uh-huh. And even after Setsuko was gone, he still, how easy would it have been? What 14 year old thinks to give, what 14 year old would think to give their dead sister a funeral or to yeah. take care of that body? And he still does that with full responsibility. Mm-hmm. I will say in the Japanese version, the guy he gets the coal from says, to undress the body, and he doesn't do that. I'm not sure what significance that has or why it was mentioned, but I feel like it has some. Anyway, yeah, he's just fully responsible from beginning to end. He feels it, he knows it, and he does what he felt was his best. And like you said, that was his will to live was for her. And so even after she died, he still felt like he had unfinished business with her. Mm-hmm. So he he went on, did the will and everything, and then once that was done, it's just like, like it's like I'm done, and I get the whole mothers pulling cars off their kids. Mm-hmm. I mean the whole adrenaline thing, and how when we have this parental instinct, and he's not a parent, he's a brother, but still, you right. still have that instinct when, when right. you're an older brother. I did that. You want to take care of them, and. Mm-hmm. And that's what keeps you going. That's what drives you. And then when you don't have that anymore, you don't have your sister. You don't have your mom. You don't have your dad. Everything's been taken away from you. And it's just like, then, then the adrenaline stops. And then you realize I haven't eaten anything in two weeks. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like I'm yeah. dying. <laughs> like it's yeah. just, man. Mm-mm. Yeah, I get it. It's just sad. Something else. So the beginning actually doesn't open with the incendiary bombs. It opens basically showing the end. It shows yeah. Seda dying in what I think is a train station, some kind of station. Uh-huh. Uh, he's leaned up against a pillar, and he's got that, uh, it's so symbolic, the the fruit drop tin yeah. that was really the source of joy for mm. Setsuko throughout the entire movie, even up until her death. She ended up with marbles in that tin, and she was eating those because her mind had decided those were fruit drops. Yeah. Um, but he's got that tin, and one of the workers there finds the tin. You know, the worker comes and he looks at Seda, and he's like, you know, this one's going. You can tell in his eyes, his eyes are blank. You can mm-hmm. tell he's, it's over. So he picks up the tin, and he shakes it, he rattles it around, he opens it, dumps the contents out. And he says, well, what is this? And uh, 
another worker says, I'll just throw it out. So he throws it out. Well, at the end of the movie, Seda is narrating. And mm-hmm. after he cremates his sister's body, he says he takes the remains and puts them in that tent. Mm. Oh, didn't catch that, did you? Uh, I did not catch yeah. that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. It's everything in this movie is just a gut punch from beginning to end. I think uh, I did, I think I did notice that, but I had forgotten about it. Right. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This one's so, going to go back on the shelf for a long time. So was that his ghost that you kept seeing throughout the movie? Because you kept seeing an image of what looked like him and watching everything that was going on. Did you not notice that? Where? Of of Setsuko? Or not Setsuko? Seda? Seda, yeah. Well, Seda was there. I'm, yeah, I don't know if I caught that part. Yeah, like there was Seda living in it, uh-huh. but then there right. was also an image of Seda watching over it. Throughout, yeah. like it was, he, he showed up about three or four times. Like it, it wasn't always there. Do you have a specific so scene that you can recall? Because I'd like to go back and watch that now. I mean, the beginning. He's in the very beginning. Right. Um, but like he's, the, he's watching himself die. In and the then, opening scene. And then he, yeah, and then he shows up at a few different other times throughout the movie. You're going to make me watch this thing again? <laughs> at least <laughs> you just watch the opening scene, maybe. Maybe you'll. Hey. I have to see it now. I have to watch with that intention. <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't notice it the first time. This last time I watched it, I was like, is that Santa yeah. watching everything? Like, right. Both times. Huh? What? I watched it on my server both times, right? I did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we're watching the same thing. Then I'm not sure. That's interesting. <laughs> yes. Ah, oh, man. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be depressed again for a little while longer. Well, what do you do? Let me know if you if you if I'm just crazy because <laughs> I, I really yeah. What what device did you watch? did you watch it on your phone? No, I just watched it on the TV. Okay, what's that? Did your wife watch it with you? No. Okay, she doesn't watch anime. I, well, but okay, so I did want to mention this. This movie to me, I don't think the fact that it's animated has anything to do with it. No. For maybe, maybe you could argue that it's a Japanese art form and that makes it more true to itself, being a yeah. story of a Japanese perspective of a real mm-hmm. world event. But this could have been just as well done as a Pixar. <laughs> as Pixar, but that's animated. Yeah. So what I'm saying is. Are you saying it could have been done? Yeah. As, as live action, you know? Yeah. Um, People look at a movie and take it and say, oh, that's animated. It's childish. <laughs> Let's see. Well, this one is rated PG. I don't understand that at all. This is not a lighthearted, like, you may want to watch over your kids while watching, while they're watching this. I'm not going to let my kids watch this movie for a long, long, long time. There's like, there's like GDs in the movie, which is the English version. I don't know if it. If it's... I, I don't think that's in. So when the farmer catches Seda, he calls him an Ill- illegitimate child. Mm. The, the nice way of saying, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying. So that's the only one that I caught in the Japanese version. But yeah, this is most certainly not 
movie I would let a small child or even I don't know I maturity level this is an adult film for me uh, <laughs> without without that kind of context that most people associate with adult film but yeah. uh it <laughs> it takes a certain maturity level that I don't know if anybody that you could call a kid would be able to have and I don't even know if you could call it enjoying the film but being affected by the film but maybe anyway, Maybe if they're 18 and about to join the military, then you can have them watch it. <laughs> just to see. Maybe. <laughs> I still feel like 18 is just too immature. Well, um, like I said, but, but if they're, but if they're about yeah. to go, if they're about to join the military, they, yeah. should, they, yeah. <laughs> they should know what they're getting into. Yeah. And maybe I don't give kids enough credit. I know a lot of high school kids who watch this and be like, wow, you know, just the yeah. whole perspective on America being the good guys all the time. And this takes that and turns it on its head. Um, the point is, none of us are good guys. No, not all the time. Yeah. You know, we may do the right thing from time to time. Yeah. But, but yeah, the point I was saying about uh, it being animated is people just discredit it. They, they look at a movie and say, oh, that's a cartoon that's for kids. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe the majority of cartoons are for kids, though I would argue the majority of cartoons are no longer for kids because there's so many double entendres and that kind of thing in cartoons these days. But this movie, to me, is anything but. Uh And and it it really breaks the mold of what animated movies are to most people. Yeah, it's definitely probably the heaviest animated movie I've ever watched. Oh, by far. I I don't think I've ever well I think I mentioned this in my letterbox review too. I, I my feelings are so mixed because I love that it made me feel. Yeah. It did that so well. So I have to say it's a great it's a masterpiece, but I don't know I don't love how it made me feel. <laughs> so, yeah. I love that it made me feel, but I don't love how it made me feel. Well it's like um it's like I don't think I will ever watch Schindler's list again. But that's a masterpiece. I have you avoided know? that one up to today. So it's worth watching once, but man, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Yeah. It's, but like, like it's just like that. Like you appreciate that it made it made you feel, right. and it did it s- such a great job. Trying to see a theme here. These uh, these World War Two movies, man. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's like, and, and that is who really were the main bad guys at the time. Right, right. But I still don't want to watch it, you know? Like, oh, it doesn't cause, cause, good. Yeah, I know. So, oh, gosh. Well, did you have anything else that you wanted to include? I think that pretty much sums it up. Um, it's a good movie and a very, very bad movie at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I promise, I promise you we liked it, <laughs> but it we also didn't like it. <laughs> I cannot recommend this movie enough. I think what I don't like about it the most is myself after having watched it. <laughs> yes. Very well put. Yep. I agree 100%. Well, man, thanks for coming on. Real quick, tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you. Um, I'm on Facebook, Josh Ryan Lindsay. I don't get on there a lot, but if you send me a message, I do still have that. Instagram, 
as Josh the bass player, I think, which is an, an alter ego of mine. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I had a TikTok for a while and decided to mix that, so I can't do anything in it. But uh, yeah, Facebook and, and Instagram. And don't you do a podcast too? Um, I've been flirting with it with the idea of a podcast, and it was gonna kind of be a almost an expose on the southern christian church and how it's really feeding a wave of millennial deconstruction Uh, i don't know if i told you about that but uh i don't know where that's gonna go i don't know if it's gonna ever come to fruition because the person who i had contacted seemed really interested in doing it and they're now like i I have no correspondence with them so (laughs) okay a message one day and never heard that, so I don't think they're interested anymore. Okay. Either that or they're just really busy. So. I thought I thought you were doing something like nerd culture or something with anime or something. I don't know. I had thought about doing an episodic review of Steins Gate because one does not exist, and that is a, a series that very much needs a companion podcast, especially for those That's who have never seen the show. However, I had somebody that said, let's do it, and we just never got started on it. So, JB, me having seen it twice, and you having never seen it, that would be a cool perspective. Just a thought. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. How many episodes <laughs> is it? Um, in the original series, there are 24 episodes and one OVA, which is like an alternative episode. And then there's a movie, and then there's another 24 episodes in the mid-core series, and I think there's an OVA there as well, which is just kind of a side story, I believe. I have not finished the mid-core series yet. And this sci-fi, right? It it's is science fantasy. fiction. Um, okay. No, not fantasy. In fact, they uh, it's a time travel. If you love time travel. Yeah. Yes. yes. Sounds good. <laughs> yes, I highly recommend it. It's not on my Flex server because I haven't figured out how to catalog individual episodes yet in order for Flex to pick up on it well, but I do have it on my Funimation account, so if you're interested in watching it, I might be able to make something happen here. Okay. Sounds good. It's Hulu. So, if you have Hulu, then yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, you can watch it there, but with commercials. You do watch the commercials. I think we have the ad-free. We have the ad-free Hulu. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Go for yeah. it. <laughs> just, just that one part. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Glad, glad you made it on, and maybe we'll do this again sometime. Yeah, thanks for having me. Sure, if I come across another movie that I feel like is a good candidate, I'll shoot it your way. Sounds good, Sounds man. Good. I'm always up for talking movies. That's what I do. <laughs> but for everybody out there listening, brothers, men, sons, fathers, husbands, you've got to man up.